So just this past summer, I was exploring Vancouver Island like I often do on my motorcycle. And often I go by myself, exploring the back roads and the, any little trails I can find, the logging roads, etc. And I was having a great day. It was beautiful out. The sun was shining. It was hot. When I feel all of a sudden the back end starting to feel just a little bit squishy. You know that weird feeling if you've ever had it when you know that you've got a flat tire. You're pretty darn sure. So I pull over. Sure enough, my back tire is leaking. It's hissing and it's down to next to nothing at that point. And I find the leak very quickly. It's in the middle of the tread. It's it's a hole that's been punctured in it. No, not a screw or a nail or anything like that. It's been punctured, likely from a rock. There's a lot of what they call ballast on the road there, which is a uh, large rock that's been broken up, very rough and rudimentary uh, breaks and chunks. So they're very sharp on the tires. And I've got this hole to fix. Well, it's not a big deal. I have all my equipment with me. I always carry it with me. So I just get into it and decide I'll I'll just uh, do the repair right there. But I open my toolkit and what do I find? For some weird reason that I don't even understand today, (laughs) that the last time I had worked on it, just a few days before on my motorcycle, I took that wrench out from my back axle and didn't put it back in. I have no idea how it happened. But it happened. Now, my bike takes tubes in the tires, which means that when I do a tire repair, I can't do it with just a plug. It's not just like shoving a plug in like you tubeless type people. (laughs) Mine are tubes, so I've got to pull the wheel off every time I get a flat and repair the tube. It's not a big deal, but if you can't get the axle nut off, there's no way I'm getting this wheel off the bike. So then it's, you know, typical, you run into a situation like this, you stand there and you look at what you've got and you figure, okay, do I have anything else that I can take the nut off with, even a large pair of pliers? Uh, But I don't even think I would do that anyway, because the chance of screwing up the nut would be pretty severe. I'd I'd have to be in a real tough situation before I'd I'd go that far with it. But I do often carry a small bottle of slime and slime is that that gooey, snotty stuff that you put in your tire to help seal up the tire. And, and, and what they tell you from the manufacturer is that, you know, you should put it in your tire and run with it all the time. That way, when a hole gets punctured, the slime goes out and automatically seals it. And you basically never know you ever had a puncture. You're just sort of always running along with uh, a fully inflated tire. So I keep it as a backup, just, you know, with my gear. And I decide, okay, well, this is it. I'm going to use it. I have used it one other time on a front tire on a different motorcycle and had a great result with it. I mean, it sealed it incredibly. As a matter of fact, I think I rode it for three more weeks before I actually changed the tube. When I pulled the tube out, there was no tube. It had sealed the tire and it sealed the all the spokes and everything. It was, it was amazing. I, I was adding air, I think, every three or four days to the front tire to keep it up. So I, I was impressed in that instance. It worked really really well this time though two kilometers down the road after i pump up the tire with the slime in it it's flat again and then again another two kilometers flat again another two kilometers flat again I eventually got out and managed to take the tube out, which was a gooey mess, which is the, I'll have to say, the one reason I don't like slime is because when you fill it up, uh, fill up your tire with slime, you pull that tube out and it has slime in it and try and do repair practically impossible. It is water soluble. You can wash it off with water, wash it out with water. But the problem is it's inside the tube and you try and clean the tube off and put a patch on it, forget it. You may as well throw the tube in the garbage. It just, the slime goes everywhere. It makes it impossible to stick a patch to. So I avoided it at all costs. I would just use it as an absolute backup. And in this case, it didn't work at all. Every two kilometers, I was pumping it up. But I did have my electric pump with me and it made it possible for me to get out to a point where I I could end up doing the repair properly with the the finding a wrench and and getting the job done. 
But it comes down to, I'll, I'll tell you, most times when I'm doing things on the bike, every time, as a matter of fact, when I'm doing things on the bike at home, if I'm doing a repair or, or an adjustment or something that I would also do while I'm on the trail somewhere or on the side of the road somewhere, I will only use the toolkit that's on my bike. That way I know I've got all the tools. Well, that didn't exactly work out for me in that situation, but most times it does. Just work with the tools that you need on the trail while you're doing your repairs at home, and then you'll be all set when you get out there. Today, we're going to talk about tire repair. That's what we're going to focus on. We're going to learn about some new tools and techniques that you may not have heard of before and certainly enlighten you on the whole subject because it's one of those things that's pretty easy to do if you get it down, but uh, learning it can be kind of a, a steep learning curve. I'm Jim Martin. This is Adventure Rider Radio. Stay with us. We got a good one for you. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter too at maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, when you're on the road, or off the road for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and can fill a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA and with a five-year warranty. Check it out at www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. You know, one thing I really enjoy, that's dealing with people who are passionate about what they do. And it doesn't matter what it is. You've come across them before. You know, you get talking to somebody, you can really see there's there's an excitement with them and there's a passion. You can see it in their work. You look at their work and you can tell they're driven from within. You know, they're not doing it so that they can get a pat on the back from somebody else. As a matter of fact, in most times, they don't even care if they get a pat on the back by anybody. They'll, they'll work in their back room for their own goals, to attain their own goals with with things. And and today we're going to talk about tire repair. And no, I'm not passionate about tire repair. I, I certainly do my own tire repairs only out of necessity because I don't like being stuck on the side of the road, or worse, the trail, somewhere where I spend a lot of my time um, in places where not a lot of people go. So as soon as the subject came up for tire repair, the first person that popped into my head was David Peterson of Best Breast Products. Now, the reason he popped into my head right away is because if you follow him on Facebook, you'll see that he often has posts on there about repairing tires for friends or somebody in the group, etc., etc. He always seems to be in there. And he even does tire demos at, at some of the events like the Overland Expo and the Horizons Unlimited events. But that's not completely it. If you go to his website, the Best Rest Products website, and click on the page for tire repair, it brings up an entire page of things to do with tire repair. Everything. I mean, you, you got to see it. It's pretty interesting. The thing is, when you look at this page, a lot of the stuff on here, David has invented himself. He's invented it, designed it, come up with it to help us change our tires with less effort. And anyone who spent that much time thinking about repairing motorcycle tires. I mean, think about the sleepless nights he must have spent laying in bed thinking of a, of a new way to break a bead or something. Well, at that point, you got to know you've got somebody who's really passionate about tire repairs. 
So I called David up and asked him to come on the show and talk about tire repair for both tubeless and tube type tires. We got some great tips here for you. So stick around. You're going to learn something on this episode. David, welcome back to Adventure Rider Radio. Thanks, Jim. It's good to be back. Let's just jump right in because tire repairs is something that, I mean, we as motorcyclists, we've got to know how to do. I mean, really, I guess you could get away with it if you're stuck to the streets and maybe short jaunts. But eventually, especially if you're going on an adventure and certainly if you're going um, into dirt roads and off-road situations and out-of-the-way places, you're going to likely end up having to repair a tire at one point or another. That's true. I think there's two things that riders face when they, they head out of uh, the garage and they head off on their journey. One of them is running out of gas, and that's pretty easy to fix. The other one is having a, a tire puncture or tire failure, low tire, you know, a, a nail in the tire, something like that. Those are probably the two big things. You may run into mechanical issues, but uh, that can be solved on a case-by-case basis. But the two big things are fuel and tires. And we've had a lot of experience in uh, in tire inflation, tire repairs. Uh, you know, my business, Best Rest Products, has been focusing on that for 15 years. Uh, probably sold uh, 10,000 tire repair kits of various designs, uh, and you know, 30,000 cycle pumps, uh, the inflators. Uh, you know, I've I've helped many thousands of customers, but I've also used this stuff in the field, and I, I don't know how many hundreds of tires I've either fixed or, or repaired, either myself or those of my riding buddies or guys that I take on one of our expeditions. So I've got some experience in it, pretty much seen everything that's come down the, the trail, so to speak. I mean, yeah, because you, you can run into just a simple repair, which I think most of them are. Most of them are just punctures, but then you get into those wild repairs, right, where you end up with a torn tire. Yeah, that's a whole other uh, kettle of fish, and you know, solving that can be as simple as uh, you know using a couple of uh, strings to repair a slightly elongated cut. It may mean putting a vulcanizing patch on the inside of the tubeless tire. It may mean putting a tube inside a, a tubeless tire. Um, it may, in fact. Uh, result in having to uh, go into town and, and get a replacement tire. I mean, I've I've seen the whole spectrum of a simple fix to something where, guess what, this tire's just seen its day, it's time to, to find a replacement and get that thing mounted on the tire and let's get back on the trail. Well, let's start right at the beginning, before we leave, before you head off on your adventure. What should be in our tire repair kit? Well, the first thing you have to do is identify what kind of tires you're running on the bike. If you're running tubeless tires, that's pretty, that's pretty easy. You're going to be using strings to, uh, to make the repair. If you're using tube tires, then you're going to have to have all the tools necessary to remove the wheel from the bike and be able to break the bead and take out the tube to make the repair. So you're lucky if you're running tubeless tires. You've got a much harder job ahead of you if you're running uh, tubed tires. So you've identified which, which style of tire you've got on your bike. Uh, and then, of course, you're going to need a method of making the repair. And you're going to need a method of inflation. I'm not a big fan of CO2 cartridges because they give you limited air. And you've only got so many bullets in your gun, so to speak. Uh, they're not always effective. So having a, an electric inflator, I think, is very important because you can continually add air to the tire If you don't get a perfect repair, you can ride 10 miles, add more air. But 
I guess uh, in answer to your question, you're going to need an inflator, you're going to need a repair kit, and you may need a series of tools to help you make those repairs, get the tire off the wheel, and get it back on. So three things, inflation, repair, and the necessary tools to complete the process. So let's look at uh, the, the tubeless tires to begin with, which is going to be the simplest fix for people running the, the bikes like the, uh, the big uh, R1200GS or something like that with a tubeless tire. What do they need to pack? Well, um, as far as a tubeless repair, that's pretty easy. You're going to use either a mushroom plugging kit or some type of a string kit that seals the hole in the tire. Okay, so describe the string. Well, there's various strings out there. You can go to an auto parts store and buy something fairly cheap, but that's exactly what it is, is cheap. Um, often they don't vulcanize to the tire. It's simply a case of rubber cement and maybe a, a, a rubber impregnated piece of cloth or cotton string. Not a big fan of that. I've seen too many of those fail. Uh, I'm a strong believer in using a vulcanizing string kit that chemically bonds the string into the carcass of the tire so they become as one. Um, I've seen people use the inexpensive gummy worms and I've seen too many of those fail to recommend them to anybody. As far as the mushroom plugs, I've seen those used too. And you know, there's a certain brand name that I won't mention. Um, we used to sell them. Uh, we found the failure rate was too high. Uh, they're lubricated with motor oil to get them through the insertion tool. And so when they're in the tire, you have a rubber plug that's been lubricated with oil. And if you run over a rock at that point, it pops in the tire. The tire goes flat. So when it comes to tubeless repairs, I'm a firm believer that the only repair you want to use is a vulcanizing string repair kit that chemically bonds that string into the tire to make the most effective repair possible. And, of course, Best Rest sells a kit that does just that. We have vulcanizing strings and patches in the same kit. So that kit works on both styles of tires, both tubed and tubeless. Now, when you're talking about that plug popping out, I think a lot of people will have had experience with them with vehicles, where you put it in, you run the, the vehicle on the street. What's making them pop out of the tire off the motorcycle is especially when you're into some dirt situations. That's right. Um, you run over a, a high rock. It you know pushes on that portion of the tire. And remember, this tire where it's been plugged is maybe three sixteenths of an inch thick. And you're relying upon the friction of the the, the tire to hold that that plug in place. And it simply can't do it. And uh, the thing pops out. It's not held in with glue. It was inserted with oil. And so it's not an effective repair. As far as the other types of strings, the gummy worms, um, the glue that they provide is rubber cement glue. Um, it makes things gooey, but it doesn't ever really set up. We have a, a test tire that we use at the shop for demos um, using those types of strings. And after, I don't know, five years, that string is still gooey and gummy. And if I pushed hard enough on it, I could actually push it through the tire. So it's not really bonded to the tire. The kit we sell comes to us from the trucking industry, and they use that kit to uh, to repair semi-truck tires, you know, 100,000 pounds going down the highway. And those strings, those vulcanizing strings, have chemically bonded. They've become part of the tire, and you couldn't pull those out or push them out if you wanted to. So that's that's my belief that that is the best type 
of tire repair that you can possibly use. And for those who may think that you can, uh, well, you just stop and you put another plug in, the real problem with this is when you go to plug a tubeless tire, you're you're reaming the hole. You take out your screw or your nail or whatever it is, then you ream the hole out and you put the plug in. Well, when that plug pops out, now all of a sudden you've got a very fast deflation. It's not like it is, you know, it's seeping past a screw or a nail. It, it literally deflates like very, very quickly. Yeah, it. I wouldn't say it's a matter of seconds, but certainly within a minute. Uh, your tire is going to be flat, and that is not something you want to have happen. Here's here's an, uh, an example from a few weeks ago in the Northwest Passage. A, a fellow had a, a well-worn uh, off-road tire, and uh, when he showed up at our shop to head on the ride, he was fixing the tire. And I said, well, why don't you use my kit? It vulcanized, and he said, no, I'll use my kit. And sure enough, that thing failed. I think he uh, he repaired that tire five times, continuing to put... Uh, first the plugs and then the the gooey gummy worms into that tire. And uh, I don't know if it was a matter of pride or he just wanted to do his own thing, but the tire eventually failed and uh, it was a case where he had to uh, buy a tire on the road and uh, replace the entire tire. It uh, just kept getting worse. So the, the best thing to do is to make the repair right the first time with something that chemically bonds to the tire and then that gives you some peace of mind. Uh, now, you know, one of the things people ask is, is this permanent? Well, any repair on a motorcycle tire should be considered temporary. And, you know, for legal reasons, we always say uh, 50 miles an hour, you know, for the next 50 miles. Um, we're not going to represent that this is a, a permanent repair. That being said, I personally and my buddies have ridden on these until the tire was worn out. I mean, it because it does such a good job, I'm comfortable with uh, with using that and uh, wearing the tire until it's it's time for a new one. So now for those running tubeless tires, what should they be leaving with? Tubeless, um, where you don't have an inner tube. You'd want an inflator. You'd want a repair kit that will uh, repair that hole. And our kit has four tubeless strings and the insertion tools and the vulcanizing glue. Um, and the typical process would be they identify where the, the nail is, uh, you pull that out, um, you ream the hole as you mentioned so that you get a big enough hole to put the, the string through. Um, you put the string onto the insertion tool and you, you put the glue on, you push it in until it's inside the tire and, and the tail of the string is out and then you pull your insertion tool out. By the time you put your gear away um, and get out your inflator, that uh, that repair has been done. The vulcanizing process has begun and is almost finished. You inflate the tire, um, you put your helmet on, and off you go. So it's pretty quick. Okay, so now for those running with tube-type tires? Well, a tube's another animal. So what you have to do is identify where your puncture is. You want to mark it because it's easy to lose that, uh, that point of reference. You would then have to have all the tools on the bike to take the, either the front wheel or the rear wheel off the bike. Generally means putting the bike on the center stand. Uh, in the case of the front, you know, you're going to have to uh, balance the bike so that when you take off the front wheel assembly, the bike doesn't fall forward. If you're doing a rear wheel, you would, uh, you know, have it on the center stand. You would definitely want to uh, use a strap of some sort to connect the, uh, the center stand to the front wheel so it wouldn't accidentally come off the center stand. 
And then you would, you know, unbolt the tire, take the whole tire assembly off. If you're riding a BMW, you're, you know, shaft drive, it's pretty easy. But if you're running a chain, you have to move the the wheel forward in the in the on the axle and then pull the chain off and then finally get the wheel assembly off and remove the sprocket so you can get to the uh, you know to the working part of the tire. Then you have to break the bead. Uh, breaking the bead means breaking the the chemical and and uh, friction seal between the sidewall of the tire and the metal rim. Um, that's a process in itself. Um, some people say that they can do it using the side stand or the center stand, but if the bike's on one wheel and center stand, it's probably not something that uh, most people can do. I, I consider it almost an urban myth. Um, people hear about it, they read about it, but they've probably never done it. And, you know, up on top of a mountain or on some lonely trail somewhere, that's not where you want to do the learning curve. So you have to break the bead. Uh, there's various products out there. You know, there's a little plastic wedge that you can try to pound that sidewall off the rim. Um, there's a set of tire irons that work as a wedge. You jam them in there and you try to separate the, the sidewall from the rim. Uh, we make a product called the Tire Iron Bead Breaker, which takes the three tire irons you're going to need for the tire change or the tire removal, and you assemble those with uh, three parts and now you have a compound bead breaking device, a lever that easily breaks the bead and then you use the tire irons to spoon the the uh, tire off the rim so you can pull the tube out. Um, and it's a pretty cool tool. I mean, yeah, I invented it, but uh, even if I didn't, I'd carry one because it works so well. So once you've broken your bead in whatever method you use, um, then you have to literally spoon that tire off the rim. And a lot of people struggle with that because they don't understand what's necessary. And the thing that's necessary is, number one, lubrication. You have to lubricate the rubber so it will slide off the metal rim. And number two, you have to literally move the tire carcass into the wheel well of the rim. I, uh, I lay the tire on the ground, you know, I put one of our tire changing mats down. I lay the tire down, you know, I've, there's no air in it. So with the weight of my knees, I actually compress the sidewall so that it, it becomes almost flat. And by doing that, now the tire beads can move into the, what's called the well of the rim. By moving the tire towards the top or away from me, I now have working room on the other side of the rim. If you don't do that, um, you physically cannot get that tire sidewall off on the, the far side because of the way they've made this, this tire to fit onto this rim. You know, it's, it's difficult to explain in words. On our website, we have a, a YouTube channel that shows this whole process. And a video is worth a million words. And once you see it, ah, the light comes on. But lubrication and moving that rubber tire into the well of the metal rim so that you have working room uh, as you lean across the tire and you're using your irons to spoon this rubber off the rim. 
The other thing I was just going to throw in there, David, was um, everyone should realize this, that before you try this in the field, do it at home first. You know, make sure, because that's the only way you're going to make sure you have all the proper tools. And when you do it at home, don't work from your workbench, work from your, your toolkit off your bike. Just use everything that's on the bike and make sure that you're doing it just as you would when you're in the field. Oh, absolutely, Jim. Um, if you go to your tool chest, uh, you, you're cheating because that's not going to be there when you're in the field. If you can't do a complete tire change just with what you're carrying on the bike, then uh, you really need to be calling uh, AAA and having them tow the bike. Um, you can't cheat in the field. Now, maybe your buddy's got the tool, but don't count on that. But let me back up for a moment. We've spooned off one side of this tire. Um, we don't have to take both sides off. All we have to do is reach inside and grab that tube and then pull it out in the space between the metal rim and the tire itself. And then we're going to look for that hole in the, the tube that the nail you know, uh, did. But when you're looking at, at tube punctures, you don't just look for one hole. Often there's more than one. And if there's a nail in the tire, it goes through the, the tire carcass itself. It goes through the tube once, and then often it, it goes through the tube twice as it pushes through the airspace and pushes into the other side of the tube that's up against the metal rim. Uh, I've learned this lesson painfully myself. You know, I found one hole. I made the repair. I patched it, put everything back together, you know, put the tire back onto the rim, and then when I went to inflate it, I wasn't getting any air. It's because there was more than one hole. So it's very important when you're doing a tube repair that you you look for more than one uh, for more than one hole in the tube. What a lot of guys will do is instead of making a, a repair of the tube, they carry a spare tube, and they they take their new tube and they put it on, and then at night at camp, they'll make the repair on that tube, you know, sitting around the campfire. But when you do make this repair to the tube, um, once again, you want to use the best quality repair that you can. Um, something that you buy down at the auto parts store it might work for a golf cart, but when you're, you're relying upon that tube for your safety on a two-wheeled motorcycle, you want the best you can possibly get. And once again, um, vulcanizing repairs are absolutely the way to go. They actually chemically bond the patches that come in our kit to the, the rubber of the tube itself. And um, I've been using... Uh, one tube in the back of my BMW 800 GS uh, for three seasons. You know, I had a puncture three years ago on the Northwest Passage, uh, did an impromptu tire uh, repair in front of everybody in the group, uh, put that thing back on the bike, um, and off we went. And I've since replaced the, the tire itself three times. I've worn the knobby out three times. Every time I do it, I look at that repair, and I say, well, this tube's still still good and strong let's put it back in so once the repair has been done properly uh, that that thing is in there for good it's a it's a good repair because it's a vulcanizing repair and even simply like, like you'd mentioned the time um, it's happened to me as well i'm sure it's happened to most people you make a repair you get it all done and then you find out especially you go a couple kilometers down the road and the thing's going down again it really drags you down it's, and of course it's usually on a sunday night when it's starting to get dark and it's beginning to rain and you should have been home already that's right <laughs> um and understand that a, a tubeless repair using strings is a 10-minute process which includes the time to fill the tire uh, a tube repair uh, if you can do it in 45 minutes, you're doing pretty good. Um, 
you know, you've had to take the, the wheel off the bike. You've had to spoon the, or you'd had to break the bead. You had to spoon one side of the tire off. You had to pull the tube out. You had to make the repair. And then you spoon it back on. And the trouble with the tube repair is that uh, it's called a pinch flat. Um, often when people are spooning the, the rubber tire back onto the rim, because of the way they manipulate the tire irons, they'll end up pinching the the tube inside the tire with the tip of the iron. And so you have to start all over again. And one trick to preventing that is, as you're using those tire irons to spoon that that tire back onto the rim, don't go more than about 90 or 100 degrees vertical. If you go over the top, what happens is the, the spoon rotates around the rim. It catches the rubber of the tube underneath the tip of the iron, and that's where you get the pinch. So keep in mind as you're using these irons, you don't go too far. Uh, 90 to 100 degrees, and then use another tire iron to help it go a little bit further. But don't over-rotate those tire irons. Yeah, that's a very good tip. And what about putting a little bit of air in the tube to, uh, to get it to hold its position better? Well, that's one other tip that I use. Once I get the tube repaired and I get it stuffed back inside the tire, and before I spoon the tire back on the rim, I'll actually inflate that tube um, so that it, it actually you know, starts to balloon out. Um, and what that does is it, uh, two things. Number one is it helps get the tube into proper position. Um, it takes out any wrinkles or folds that might have occurred as you were pulling the tube out. And if you prevent wrinkles or folds in the, in the tube, you'll prevent uh, getting a hot spot, which leads to uh, a failure of the tube at that point. So I've partially inflated this tube. Um, and then I take out the valve core and I let it go flat. And then I start spooning the tire back on um, using uh, plenty of lube so that uh, the rubber of the tire uh, will slip easily onto the metal of the rim. Before we get to actually inflating and seating the bead, let's talk about that tube repair for a second. Can you give some tips on, on doing a proper tube repair so you don't have to do it again just down the road? Sure. Um, okay, we have a hole in the tube, and we've identified there's only one hole. Um, you need to scuff the tube. Um, there's a tool in our kit uh, called the Scuffer Stitcher tool. Uh, there's one out of it that's got a little rasp on it. And what you have to do is you have to scuff this tube uh, to remove any traces of tire molding compound, any dirt. And you've got to get it, it roughed up pretty good um, as though you were hitting it with sandpaper. And you, you do it in a, at about a two-inch uh, diameter. You've got about a two-inch patch. You want to make it bigger than the patch itself. So you're scuffing this thing. You're rubbing it, and you're, you're making it rough, kind of like if you were going to paint gloss enamel. You would have to scuff that up real well so that the paint would stick to it. And it's the same uh, principle for this repair. I lay the tube over my knee because that's a good working surface. And then I use this little tool, and I go back and forth and back and forth. And the longer and more patient you are about that, the better chances you are of getting a good, uh, good repair using a patch. And then once you've done the scuffing, uh, larger than the size of the patch, you'd take uh, a dab of glue about the size of your thumbnail, and you'd spread it on there and spread it out evenly with your, you know, your finger. 
you'd wait and watch as this glue uh, dried. It's called flashing. It goes from a shiny appearance to kind of a dull appearance. Once that's happened and you don't have any shiny spots, you'd peel off the protective uh, cover on your patch. Then you lay the patch right in the middle of where your hole is. Think of this stuff as contact cement, but it also has a dual purpose in that it, it's, uh, it's part one of a two-part vulcanizing or chemical vulcanizing process. When that patch goes down, it's going to start to dissolve the rubber of the tube. It's going to start to dissolve the, the rubber on the front side of the patch. And when these things, too, go together, the process starts and they chemically become uh, as one. And then you have to use that stitching tool, which is really nothing more than a roller. And you start from the middle and you start working out from the center of that patch in a sunburst pattern. And what that's doing is it's pushing out any air bubbles or any air pockets between the patch and the tube itself. And once you've done a starburst pattern, then you go all the way around and you make sure that all the edges are down nice and, and tight. And when you've seen this done, or when you've done it yourself, it's the thing of beauty. I mean, everything looks good. This patch is on there and uh, gives you a lot of confidence when you see that repair uh, being done using uh, that vulcanizing repair. Okay. At that point, do you recommend that people inflate the tube to check for leaks before they end up putting it together? Right. And that's one of the processes of once you've got it inside the tire, um, you partially inflate it to get all the kinks out. So you, you put in maybe five pounds and then you're, you see that the tube is, is not kinked. You can listen to hear if there's any air that's coming out. And it'll be pretty evident at that point whether or not you have a leak. Um, I wouldn't inflate it unless the tube was inside the tire because I'm going to have to repeat the process once it's inside that again. Um, so visual inspection of the tube to make sure there's only one hole. Um, and you'll know whether your patch is on properly. You can see where the edges of the, of the patch feather down onto the, the tube body. And uh, if you've done that, um, you're not going to have to worry about air coming out of that patch. It's a good permanent repair. The patch is sort of thick in the middle and then thins down to a wafer edge, so it's almost like doing a, a bodywork repair where, where it smooths into the other surface. That's exactly right. So now we've spooned the bead back on it. And again, I, I think you make an excellent point by saying people should look at some videos. We actually have a, a page on our website that we put up recently uh, about tire repair. And we've got some of your videos on there from YouTube showing people how to do it. So it's important to see that. But I, I, couldn't, I, I couldn't repeat it enough that people have to try this before they go out in the field. And, and even a couple of times, I think, is a great idea to do. Or, or maybe go and see one of the demonstrations. I mean, you've done them at, um, I think, at Expo uh, West, didn't you? Yes, I did. I've done them at uh, Horizons uh, Unlimited Expo West. I've done them uh, at the Turtec Overland Rally. I've done them at, you know, I don't know, 10 BMW national rallies and, you know, around the country. So I've had a lot of experience doing it. Unfortunately, um, I've done it so much that I don't often think about the little things that I do that make it easy. You know, people will watch me do a presentation and, and they don't understand the subtle things I'm doing. And uh, maybe I'm not a good teacher in that regard because I don't even think about it. I'm just doing it. And to stop and say, oh, by the way, you want to do this. Um, sometimes it's difficult to slow that down uh, so that people get that technique. But I think if they watch the videos, they'll see my hands working. They'll, they'll hear the verbal description of what it is I'm doing. 
and uh, you know they'll pick it up as they do it themselves. You know, the first time you do this in your garage, you're going to say, "Oh, this is way too hard." Um, you know, the learning curve is steep, but once you get past that first uh, big step, and uh, you say, "Oh, I see why that worked and why that didn't work," um, then it becomes less daunting. And after you've done it a couple of times, uh, you say, oh, I, I pretty much know what I'm doing here. That being said, you know, I've had tires that have been very stubborn, um, you know, trying to get them spooned off the rim. Um, hiding out tires are, are really stiff sidewalls. And, uh, you know, a lot of people complain and, and have said, I just couldn't do it. But it is about technique. It is about proper lubrication, um, using the proper kind of lube. Um, we make a product called Bead Goop. Uh, B-E-A-D-G-O-O-P. Um, it's uh, stuff that's used for mounting truck tires. It's a slippery stuff I've used. So slippery, in fact, if you got it on your hands or your gloves and you try to hang on to the tire iron, you can't. <laughs> so you have to keep wiping that off the, the iron as you're working. Pretty good stuff. But uh, if you don't have that, then I've heard of people using, you know, shampoo, dish soap, um, I've heard of guys using motor oil. One guy swears by automatic transmission fluid, but, you know, those aren't designed for tire mounting, and, and I question whether they would be the best thing in the long term for uh, the rubber of your tires. But if you're on top of a mountain, uh, you work with what you have to, and, uh, you know, just to get the job done. But But proper lube in the proper places, and plenty of it, is one of the key things to uh, making tire demounting or remounting uh, go quick and easy. Um, you don't need big tire irons to do it. Uh, Nine-inch irons are more than sufficient. Uh, if you're needing a tire iron bigger than that or you're bending irons, it's because your technique needs improvement. And the videos will show you, show you how to use uh, the best technique. You know, David, a lot of people mention WD-40. How do you feel about that for a lube? Well, um, once again, it's a it's a petrochemical product, and it's, you know, not necessarily the best thing for the rubber of your tires. Um, I wouldn't typically use it um, because I don't think it's uh, it's something that the, the tire manufacturer would say is is good for their rubber. Um, the other, th and it is a penetrant, so it will go down between the the rubber of the tire and the rim. If that's what you have to use, then and that's all you have, then by all means use it. Um, the one thing about WD-40 is that it never dries. It, it remains, you know, it may dry off to some degree, but in the, the crevice between the tire and the rim, it's still wet. And, uh, you know, one thing we don't want to have is to have the, the tire slipping on the rim itself. One of the advantages of a, of a dedicated tire mounting product like Bead Goop is it's really slippery when it's wet, but when it dries, it becomes tacky or sticky. And so that locks the tire to the rim itself. Um, and that's a good thing because you don't want it to spin. You know, on, uh, on trail bikes like my KTM, we have rim locks. And one of the reasons for the rim locks is to prevent the tire from spinning on the rim. And if it were to spin on the rim, since I'm using tubes, it would actually tear the, the uh, valve stem off of the tube. And, of course, you'd have a flat. Um, uh, so, you know, not allowing the the tire to spin is a pretty big thing. You got a lot of power on these bikes, you hit the throttle hard, uh, that tire spins. Maybe not a big deal on a, on a tubeless tire, but certainly on a tube tire, uh, there could be sadness on the trail.
I want to talk about the mat because that's something you didn't mention, and, and I know you use it. Right. We, it's a very simple product. It's called the Tire Changing Mat. It's a three-foot by three-foot piece of uh, Cordura, uh, waterproof on one side and fabric on the other. It's got some tie-down loops on uh, on all four corners, and then it's got a, a bundling strap, a Velcro strap that ties it into a bundle. It's actually designed to hold our tire iron bead breaker or other tools. Um, so when I get out and I'm going to do a repair or you know do a tire change, I, I roll this thing out. It's, it's my work bench on a dirty surface. I uh, do the, all the repairs right there on that tire changing mat. It keeps uh, dirt and, and sand and stuff from getting into the wheel bearings. Um, it also keeps uh, me from losing my tools in the tall grass. Um, the other advantage of that tire changing mat is that uh, I can use it as uh, uh, a tablecloth on a picnic table. Uh, when I'm camping, I, I actually lay it out on the ground in front of my tent. It becomes my doormat, so it serves multi-purposes. I like that. <laughs> Multi-purpose use, that's what you got to have for it. And, and if you didn't have that, I mean, even a tarp will suffice. The big thing is, of course, is having that clean work area, like you said, because you're pulling your wheel apart, your bearings are going to be exposed, um, and there's a good chance of getting dirt in there or, or losing something. And the other thing is you don't want to get uh, sand or dirt or grit between the the sidewall of the tire and the metal rim, because as, as we're going to be talking about uh, popping that bead in place, if you've got crud in there, it's going to prevent that that rubber from moving into place, and, and therefore you're not going to be able to seat that bead. As far as seating beads go, um, if the, the tire sidewalls are properly lubricated and the rim is properly lubricated, in my experience, they will pop into place at 25 pounds. Um, sometimes it takes more, but uh, in practical experience, and you'll see it on the video, uh, at 25 pounds or less, you hear that, that satisfying ping, ping, as those sidewalls pop into place on a tubeless tire. Um, this only applies really for tubeless tires. In the case of a tube, uh, you don't have that locking rim, so you inflate the tube you know, to the recommended pressure and off you go. But in the case of a, a, a tubeless tire, this tire sidewall on both sides has to fit into place. And if it doesn't, then you're going to have problems. Uh, you know, the tire is not seated on the rim properly. It could come off the rim uh, into the center, and, and you'd lose pressure instantly. Um, but before we get to talking about seating the beads, we have to also talk about setting the beads. There's a difference, seat or set. When I say set, um, I'm talking about getting the tire... Uh, sidewall up against the metal of the rim so that you can begin building pressure. Any inflator on the market, including ours, doesn't produce enough pressure quickly enough to blow those sidewalls out to, to start the initial uh, inflation. And when you've, you've spooned off uh, a tubeless tire and you put it back on the rim, if you look at the way it sits on the tire, or the, the tire sits into the rim, it's really not making contact all the way around. So if you slowly add 10 to 15 pounds, you can do that all day long and it's not making contact. You have to mechanically move those sidewalls out against the, the rim and then you can start building pressure. And once you build enough pressure, you get the satisfying ping-ping of the sidewalls getting into place. A um, couple of ways to do that. Um, some people try to use large CO2 canisters 
and that may work, but you have one shot. Um, we came up with a solution. Uh, well, really what you want is you want a high-pressure air tank and a lot of air to blow those sidewalls out. In ideal conditions, if you're, if you're at a shop, that will be what you have. Right, right. So I was thinking about that, and I thought, well, um, I've got one good tire. I've got one tire that's not in contact. How about if I turn that remaining good tire into a high-pressure air tank? So what we do is we overinflate the good tire to about 50 pounds using our cycle pump. And then we connect the, the dead tire to the good tire with a product called the donor hose. And it's a pretty simple piece of five-foot air hose with air chucks on both ends. So I connect the air chuck to the dead tire. I go over to the good tire. I connect to the good tire. Now I have a 50-pound air tank that most of the time, 90% of the time, it'll provide enough pressure quickly enough over a long enough period of time that it will cause those sidewalls on that dead tire to spread outward and you start to build pressure. And once you get that started, then you can take the donor hose off and you can finish filling that tire and popping those beads in place using your cycle pump. It works really well. Um, we showed it on the videos. I've used it in the field a number of times. It is not 100% uh, foolproof uh, because sometimes that tire is just stubborn and it's got a, a kink or a twist in it. Uh, I ran into that down in uh, in Mariposa a few weeks ago at the Horizons Rally. Um, my own fault. Um, but we eventually uh, you know, played with it a little bit and we got the thing to work. So you can't get discouraged if plan A doesn't work, you go to plan B. So what is plan B? You have to mechanically spread those sidewalls against the the metal rim. So a ratchet strap, you put a strap around the tire, um, you start cranking on that strap and hopefully by doing that as you ratchet the sidewalls go outward and that may work but we found that typical ratchet straps cause the tire to compress underneath that ratchet and so you get an uneven spread of the, of the tire sidewalls and you haven't gotten anywhere. And we looked at what that problem was. We realized it was friction. It was the friction of the strap against the rubber of the tire. So one, one night the light came on and I said, well, what if we put a strap inside a strap? And so that's what we did. And that's how we developed a product called the bead setter. It's a ratchet strap with a strap that's surrounded by a piece of tubular webbing. And when you put that around the tire and you start ratcheting, all of a sudden, you have a constricting device that works all the way around the tire without any friction spots. And as you ratchet the lever, the entire tire spreads outward. And that's what we ended up using uh, down at Horizons to get that stubborn tire back on the, uh, onto the rim uh, so that it would you know, begin to build pressure. Once we got that sidewall all the way around and started building pressure, then just hook up the pump and uh, keep inflating at about 35 pounds that stubborn tire uh, gave us that satisfying ping-ping uh, as it popped into place. Any other field tips for seeding the bead? Uh, make sure that it's clean, that you don't have grit or stuff between the rubber and the rim. Make sure that you've really well lubricated uh, the sidewall of the tire at the bead and on the metal. Uh, you don't just do one, you have to do both. And if you don't get the thing to pop into place, uh, you know, you've got, a, you've got air in the tire, but it's not popping, then disconnect your pump, uh, take that tire and bounce it on the ground. 
you know, roll it around a couple of times, bounce it, pick it up over your head, you know, bounce it on the ground. And that jarring motion will often cause that bead to pop into place. Um, you know, some tires go on very easily. I've had really good luck with TKC-80s. Um, the Heidenaus are a, a stiff and stubborn tire, um, but they'll pop into place too. It just depends on the circumstance. And another thing that, that has an impact on this is the temperature. Um, at Horizons, it was 95, 98, 100 degrees. And so because it was so hot, our tire lube was drying out before we could get the process done. So, uh, you know, we diluted it down so that it stayed wetter longer, and that made a big difference. Uh, if you're using, you know, WD-40, that, that probably is going to dry out too to some degree. But uh, keep, keep working at it and uh, don't give up. Your alternative is either uh, a long walk into town or, you know, call in the wrecker to come out and help you. You work on this long enough, and, you know, if you get stuck at one point, you step back and think about it for a second and have a sip of water and, a, you know, a granola bar, and then you come at it again. So uh, being stubborn is helpful when it comes to changing tires, but if you're running into a problem, you have to ask yourself, why is this problem here? And how do I solve it? Brute force is not the answer. It's about technique. Yeah, and David, you mentioned it before about doing the best job you can. It's really important when you're doing this sort of thing or anything like this. Do the best job you can the first time because when you redo it, when you have to do it over and over, that's when it just gets worse and you have more problems. That's right. And the other thing, i got to tell a story on myself. Um, I, I change a lot of tires. I've got like five different motorcycles and I do all my own stuff and I use the bead breaker and, and my own tools on the bike even here in the shop when I have a full chest but I was doing a tire change and I was working along and I must have been distracted and I got everything mounted I got the tire done I got it inflated I got the beads popped in place and then I went to put away my bead breaker which has three tire irons one tire iron two tire irons where did that third tire iron go <laughs> I looked on the bench I looked on the floor I looked in my pockets and then the light came on. <laughs> I picked up this tire and shook it. And sure enough, I was like the surgeon that left a retractor inside the patient. <laughs> I was going to say that. That's one of those stories you hear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so um, I had to start over. So I broke the bead. I took out the tire iron promised I'd never tell anybody that story, but it's just it's just too good not to share. No, David, I, I won't tell anyone. Don't you worry. Yeah. <laughs> Even somebody that knows what they're doing, you know, every now and then they can have a senior moment, and I actually qualify for that. So, uh, you know, just, just work patiently. Think about what you're doing. You know, learn as much as you can. There's more than one way to skin the cat. Uh, we think we've got some pretty good solutions that maybe we thought up or we, we borrowed from somebody else, but... Uh, uh, tire changing is not that difficult. Uh, tire repair in the field is is not a bunch of drama. If you have the tools, it can be anywhere from a 10-minute uh, uh, rest break to uh, you know an hour of having to take the wheel off the bike and and go through that process. I wish every bike came with tubeless tires, but uh, you know for cost reasons or for design reasons, um, it's not always possible. But it doesn't shouldn't stop you from uh, from tackling that problem. It sure beats. Uh, you know, ruining your day because you got to wait for a wrecker to come from Cashmere, Washington, and haul your bike back to the shop, which is probably closed uh, on the you know the Sunday afternoon. So you know, what are you going to do? So having your stuff ready to go and understanding the process uh, that gives you a lot of peace of mind. 
I'm glad you mentioned that it was, uh, you know, that and running out of gas are the, are the two most common things and, and easily handled if you know how to do it. And I think the tire repair thing can scare a lot of people. You know, they, they think, oh, I just can't do it. I haven't done it before and, and I'm not going to take a chance. And when you have something like that, because it's such a, a common thing, it can really limit what you end up doing with your bike. So um, I would definitely recommend that people go watch demos as well because not everybody does it the same. So you'll pick up some some little tricks here, you know, from one person and another person and you'll find you'll learn a lot. And, and as you'd mentioned, there's something about seeing that repair done. Um, and of course, seeing it done multiple times will certainly help you as you sort it out yourself. Well, we will add a link to your page that you have on your website with your um, videos, as well as um, you've got a, a wonderful page there with um, tools, just all tire tools. And it's it's kind of surprising when you look at it, actually, if you're if you're not as much into tire repair as you are. When you look at it, you think, wow, there's, there's a lot of stuff you can get here. So we'll put a link to that. And we'll also put a link on there to um, the videos that we've put together on our website so people can go and see this firsthand. And then you just got to get out there and, and wrestle that tire off and give it a go. Okay, Jim. Um, one thing I should mention: the kit that we, the tire repair kit that we provide, does both styles of tires. It does both tubed and tubeless. We provided a kit that will make four repairs to either style of tire, and it's a fairly small, compact kit. Everything in it, um, you know, written instructions. Although I wouldn't suggest reading them at midnight by the side of the road. So uh, preparation in advance is a good thing, and <clears throat> I don't know what it is, but you know, having everything on the bike for some reason, tends to cut down the number of times you have to use it. If you don't have it, it seems like you'll need it. <laughs> if you do have it, it's like having a, a rabbit's foot in your pocket. It, it seems to be the talisman that uh, prevents these things from happening. But being prepared is a key to going out in the, in the, you know, in the field, on the road, um, kind of like putting your, your riding gear on, you know, having all the protective gear doesn't necessarily mean you won't ever have to use it, but there's a lot of peace of mind that comes with uh, being prepared for most of the things that will happen along the trail. Yeah, and I should have mentioned that earlier. It's it's really good to start with a kit rather than trying to, to piece the tools together yourself, especially for something like this if it's new to you. I mean, if, if you already know it and you have you know particular tastes of, of one thing or another that you want to put in your kit, that's fine. But if, if you're new to it, you're really like the, the kit will put everything there for you. Um, and you've, you've got the whole thing wrapped up, ready to go. And usually comes with a holder, doesn't it? Right. And, you know, most of the most of the stuff out there in the world you find at the auto parts store is not going to do the the same type of job uh, that our kit does. You know, we've done the heavy lifting and, uh, you know, studied this pretty carefully. And we came up with uh, uh, strings and patches and glue that uh, are proprietary to, you know, this kit. Um, uh, you know, they work together and uh, they're the best that, that you can get. Aside from, uh, you know, putting a whole new tire on, uh, this is going to do the best repair that you can do in the field. Well, that was a bunch of great tips and a lot of information about tire changing. Should get people set up. Thanks very much, David. All right, Jim. We'll see you on the trail. I've been speaking with David Peterson of Best Rest Products, and you can find out more about David and the products that Best Rest has to help you change your tires by visiting them at www.cyclepump.com. And of course, you can drop by our website and look at the show notes as we do with all our shows. We put in links in the show notes to um, the different things that we've talked about during that episode. And in this case, what we've got is we've got some videos posted on that page that will help you understand the tire changing process. So we've got a couple of from David, but we've also got some from other people. So you can look at that uh, variety and the different methods that people use and, and figure out what works best for you, what you find easiest. And, and it's even good just to have an idea of what other people do. So drop by our website, www.adventureriderradio.com and look at the show notes for this episode. 
Hi, this is Doris Wiedemann from Germany, and you are listening to Adventure Rider Radio. Special thanks to the supporters for this episode of Adventure Rider Radio, Max BMW and Best Rest Products. This episode is brought to you in part by Max BMW Motorcycles, outfitting adventure riders since 2002. 45,000 parts and accessories online and ready to ship to your door at maxbmw.com. Sign up for their e-rider newsletter too at maxbmw.com. That's maxbmw.com. And Best Rest Products, home of Cycle Pump Tire Inflator, Tire Iron Bead Breaker, Easy Air Tire Gauge, and other adventure motorcycle gear. You know, when you're on the road, or off the road for that matter, you'll want a compact and reliable tire inflation method. The Cycle Pump runs right off your bike's electrical system and can fill a flat tire in less than three minutes. Made in the USA and with a five-year warranty. Check it out at www.cyclepump.com. That's www.cyclepump.com. Well, you're not going to want to miss next week's episode because next week we have Graham Field, who is an author and adventure writer. You probably know he's been on the show before. And tomorrow, his birthday, October 16th, the Friday, that is the day he turns the big 5-0, 50 years old. So if you follow Graham on Facebook, you're probably going to find that anyway. But if you don't, you can always look him up. Just look for Graham Field, motorcycle, rider, author, that sort of thing. You'll come across him for sure. Make sure you wish him a happy birthday. Post it big on there. But whatever you do, don't tell him that you heard it here. Don't mention Adventure Rider Radio at all. Just, you know, make it, you heard it somewhere else. Well, that about wraps up another episode of Adventure Rider Radio. Now it's time to get out there and ride your bike. Ride safe. Special thanks to co-producer Elizabeth Martin, who is, as usual, even as I speak right now, working away in the background on next week's show. This is Graham Field, Overland Travel Author from the UK. And I'm 50. And you're listening to Adventure Rider Radio. (laughs) 